Hey, this is Nick Gelso, founder and co-owner of CLNS Radio, and today I'm joined by Ty Ray with a brief but important message. Nick, we try to keep our programming free at CLNS Radio. We have a ton of great podcasts, but we need our listeners and readers' help. We need them to take a survey for us. Yes, that is how we will continue to bring you free content via paid sponsorships from the big boys, the big companies, and we need your help. So when you get a moment, go to beatsandeats.net backslash survey one. Takes only minutes, but every minute is extremely important to the family here at CLNS Radio. We've become a community. You have all been a very big part of that. So please, beatsandeats.net slash survey one. Choose CLNS Radio as your option and take the short demographic listener's survey now enjoy your regularly scheduled program legends are made in the nfl and the quest for the lombardi trophy continues you're listening to patriots beat oh second down and six Right here on CLNSRadio.com. Well, good afternoon, Patriots fans, and welcome to CLNS Radio's Patriots Beat. I am your host, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter. I'll be joined today by Bob Snowden and Scott Baines, two great writers for CLNS Radio. You can follow Bob at, at @SnowdenBob and Scott at, at @TheBaines123. Both of them on Twitter, of course. Follow CLNS at, at @CLNS Radio or on Facebook www.facebook.com/clnsfans. And of course, follow the Patriots Pete podcast at Patriots Beat. Interesting show we got for you today. Of course, there was an article uh, on ESPN earlier in the week about Tom Brady and is he still elite? That'll be one of the Questions that we bring up today, of course, we'll also be talking a little bit about the OTAs and what's going on with the OTAs, what's going on position battle-wise and this and that. Of course, we're going to look in a little bit as the signing of the linebacker Anderson from Chicago. Is that enough for the Patriots' depth at linebacker? What's going to happen at the running back position? Is Steven Ridley ready to cure his fumbling problems and turn himself into the featured back that he was in 2012. And, of course, we'll revisit the line, uh, the tight end issue. Bob's favorite thing, he thinks you need another tight end to go in there with Rob Gronkowski until he comes back completely healthy. Will that happen? Won't it happen? I don't know. 347-215-7771. But without further ado, I'll bring in my friend Bob Snowden. Bob, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jeff, and welcome to another Sunday um, Patriots Talk. Lots of lots of things to talk about today, and um, getting more and more excited as the time comes shortly for uh, for them to actually be banging heads. Banging heads. Sometimes I bang my head up against the uh, computer. I had a little computer issue today trying to get on. That's why. Uh, it seemed a little rushed today. If you don't, if you don't mind me saying, Bob, I apologize for that. I think we might have Scott on the line. Scott, are you there with us? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm here. How, how are you guys doing today? Excellent. Well, Scott, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, of course, everyone knows myself and Bob on the Patriots Beat Podcast, but please introduce yourself to all our listeners as you are one of the newest members of CLNS Radio and doing a phenomenal job uh, on our Patriots Beat coverage. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, my name's uh, Scott Baines. I, I just I just started uh, writing for CLNS Radio just probably, probably about a month ago now, and... Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it so far. It's a, it's a great team, and I'm I'm really looking forward to the season. All right, well, let's get right into it. We saw the article earlier this week, Scott, Scott and Bob. Tom Brady, is he still an NFL elite quarterback, or is it is he past past his prime and on the back end, back nine, maybe maybe coming up to the 18th tee box? What do you guys think, Bob? You first, buddy. Well, first of all, I think you have to look at the talent around him. Is he the same quarterback he was? five, six, seven, eight years ago? No, and no one would expect him to be. Um, however, you you do have to look at who is surrounding him and the cast of, of players that, that make an elite quarterback go into that elite category. Um, he looked a little rusty at times last year. He looked a little unsure, especially early in the season, but he was working with a whole new set of wide receivers. He didn't have Gronk. Uh, so, I, you know, is he what he was? No. Is he still an elite quarterback? Hell yeah. Um, there a nice article this morning by Mike Reese. He was talking on his quick hits and thoughts around the NFL and Pats, and he was talking about Brady and Amendola, another person that we've, we really haven't talked about much during Patriots' beat. But he was mentioning uh, particularly there was a play where uh, Brady nailed one low and just over the goal line as they were working on their red zone drills. Uh, uh, he ripped it in there. Amendola Doe caught the ball uh, and, and did everything you're hoping he can do during the regular season. But the fact that he can still do that and Brady can still make those passes – which are not not being made by other quarterbacks. And he showed it last year. Um, he had spurts of it. You may remember uh, Mulligan caught a pat touchdown pass when he was one of the many tight ends that played for the Pats last year. And it was a bullet. Hit him in the gut. There's no way he could. And through a very narrow window. So do I think he's still among the elite quarterbacks? Yes. Um, realistically, can we expect a Tom Brady we had in the past? No. Uh, that that would be, I think, crazy for anyone to think he can still be that good. Scott, why don't you give us your opinion on uh, Tom Brady? Yeah, well, he's a- entering his, his 13th season. Um, you know, he uh, l- last year wasn't wasn't great stats wise. Uh, his, uh, his completion mark was was the lowest it was since since uh, I think 2003, and uh, the touchdown total was the lowest since 2006. So, of course, there, there's going to be some discussion as to um, how how he's how he's doing and how how he's playing. But but as Bob already said, you you have to you have to take into account who who surrounded him last year and. Where he was able to take take the team, uh, despite uh, the the lack of experience on the roster. I can agree with you there. I mean, basically, I mean, he lost his top five pass catchers last year going into the season. Only Julian Edelman and Matt Slater had caught a pass from him uh, previously in the past. And we saw what 
the familiarity between Tom Brady and Julian Edelman was able to do. I mean, 105 receptions, 1,056 yards, and and six touchdowns. Um, but that it, that's what's moving into the the second year here of the second year of a Danny Amendola, the second year of you know the the rookie wide receivers in Kemble Tompkins and Josh Boyce and and the guy who I think is going to be great in in Aaron Dobson. That second year jump for these guys should be extremely important. And I actually think that. We're going to get into a little bit about Danny Amendola. Scott wrote a great article this week about Danny Amendola. We really haven't talked a lot about him. He's kind of been that forgotten person. So the second-year leap for all these players, and and you can put Amendola in this because he's learning a a position in New England. Sure, he had some some time with Josh McDaniels in St. Louis, but that was the year that he got hurt in the first game against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles where he absolutely destroyed his his elbow. So, I mean, this was basically his dry run. So, uh, Amendola, the big knock on him is, of course, the injuries. The guy seems to, to get hurt, but I don't think it's a toughness issue. I think it's it's more along the lines of, you know, he's just a little bit of snake bitten when it comes to when it comes to injury. He hasn't really played a 16-game uh, season in his career. Where do you guys stand on on Amendola? Scott, you first. Well, uh, the, the only issue that I, that I have with Amendola is uh, the, the the salary cap hit that comes comes with him now. Um, yeah, it, they're they're saying that it's his uh, second year in the offense, and he's he's been compared to as a, a rookie last year. Um, I, I I just I I don't see him being there next year if he doesn't show something more significant uh this year. He uh he really uh played well uh the time that he was out on the field which I like but the the big key is he has to stay on the field and he has to uh he has to to work on that chemistry with Brady and he has to show show what he can do for a full season. And I'm 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 hoping he can, but I I feel like Edelman took his took his position that was supposed to be his, supposed to be his starting last year. Well, and, yeah, and Scott, you're 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 right. The only thing I would say is he had the chemistry with Brady um, in training camp last year. He had it in that first game. Uh, Jeff, you mentioned his toughness. I mean, he came back from an injury and was playing the rest of the season after that first game with with a groin pull, I believe it was, that made it extremely difficult for him to be able to make the cuts, the moves, the things everybody was expecting from Amendola. And the big thing this year, and here's where you hit the nail on the head, Scott, is if he doesn't do it this year, he's gone no matter who else is there because of the dollars involved in the cap space. But if he performs up to the level they expected uh, and he is injury fee, he's going to be a key part of this offense. I, I, I mean, there people are keep talking about the lack of wide receivers uh, and, and the question marks. 
there's question marks. I don't think there's a lack of wide receivers. There's some question marks surrounding them and their health, Amendola, Gronkowski, even Dobson because of the surgery he had recently. But if they are all healthy, I mean, I, I think this is going to be an outstanding wide receiving core. Uh, Brandon LaFell is a, is a nice addition. He's like the number three or number four on the, on the passing charts. So uh, I, I continue to be optimistic about Amendola. Uh, if he gets hurt in the first game of the year, then we'll forget about it. But right now, I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he showed what he could do prior to getting hurt. Well, that brings up my next question. I mean, these wide receivers here. I'm on record as saying that I think that the Patriots didn't need to go out and draft a wide receiver this year. Of course, they waited till the seventh round drafting Jeremy Gallon, the uh, short wide receiver out of Michigan. Of course, he did have uh, a great season last year, and he has some dynamics that can be brought out there. But I didn't want to see them bring in anyone that could stunt the growth of an Aaron Dobson, of a Kenbrell Tompkins. And I know Bob's not a big fan of Tompkins, and I can understand why, and, and Josh Boyce. And you said, you know, the injuries are, are a concern with Gronkowski, of course, who uh, is a tight end, but also a pass catcher, and Aaron Dobson. But you also you can sit there and, and, and talk about Julian Edelman. I mean, last year was the first year that he ever came out uh, and played a full 16-game schedule for the New England Patriots. He even said himself uh, this week that, um, you know, staying on the field, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but staying on the field is more important uh, than ability. And, and that's huge because we saw uh, in the 2012 season, we saw Edelman start over Wes Welker the first two games of the season and, and really be a focal point of this offense before he got hurt. And then you had a time where you had Welker and Edelman working together. And I think that what they can do this season with an Edelman and with an Amendola is they can work a double slot and they can lighten the load on a Rob Gronkowski until he's back and fully healthy. And maybe that is, you know, maybe he doesn't start the season off right, even though I think he will be ready to start week one. But maybe they don't, you know, they don't have him out there for 95% of the plays. Maybe they, they cut him back and they're only in that, you know, one or two tight end set for you know, maybe maybe 35% of the time, and, and you're not moving a lot. They're relying more on these, these wide receivers. Bob brought up a name in LaFell last year, of course, against the New England Patriots with the Carolina Panthers. He had a very good game. We've seen what Bill Belichick has done in the past with bringing in players who have dominated him in the past, had good games. I mean, Wes Welker is a prime example, number one, of a guy he, he's brought in who's had good games against him in the past. And then they've been able to turn him loose and, and go and get excited and become very good players for the Patriots. So who do you guys really feel was a big addition? Was it, was it the re-signing of Julian Edelman? Was it the bringing in of Edelman uh, on a, um, I'm sorry, of uh, LaFell? Or is it the you know, second-year jump that some of these wide receivers can make? Well, and, and I'll jump in a little bit. First of all, I think the biggest signing was on defense. Uh, and Daryl Rebus. If, if you pick one signing in the offseason that really will impact this year's team, I think Rebus is, is that. On the offensive side of the ball, again, I, I look at the players they had, and if they are healthy, they will be a, a step up right there. 
the running backs, and now I'm going down your territory, Jeff. I think the uh, the running backs are going to be have a bigger impact this year. Uh, in fact, I did one of the things in looking at the OTAs, and I know you're you're happy with that. They've been practicing that pony group you talked about last week as we ended the show, and I brought your blood pressure up a little bit uh, using that two back uh, package, uh, and that includes a rookie, uh, James White. Who, who I think will be a key element. So as far as the offseason signings, um, again, Revis and Browner, obviously, but on the offensive side, LaFell is, is kind of a secondary signing. Um, will he help them a lot? Sure, he'll help. But I, I think the draft is where they, they made some moves that could have a major impact, and some of these players are going to have an impact this year, and I think White is one of those. What do you say, Scott? Um, I, I, I really like the idea of having a healthy uh, Josh Boyce. Um, I, think, I think what he's shown so far in, in OTAs uh, is, is exciting. And uh, I, think it's, I think we only saw um, maybe, maybe half of what, what Boyce could do last year because he was nicked up all year since, since being drafted by them. As far as the base addition, Bob's, Bob's corrected, it's... It's obviously uh, Darrell Revis on on defense, but but for the the offensive side, uh, I, I sure hope that that Boyce uh, gets gets his chance uh, to to be in this offense frequently, and uh, I I know um, he's probably going to be fighting with with Kembrell Tompkins for for a spot on the on the roster. Really, uh, if you take a look at the the depth. At, at at wide receiver, um, you know you have Edelman, Amendola, Dobson, and LaFell already in the fold. Um, I, I I like I say I, I certainly hope that that Boyce is there come come the start start of the season because I think I think I think he's ready. And what do you guys make of the fact that once again Danny Amendola is becoming a OTA star? I mean, is it just because you know there's no, you know, no pads and this and that, and he can he can use his quickness and everything, and and he seems to be from what I've read out there is that Amendola is one of the best wide receivers out there. Is it just because it's OTAs, or can we really expect something big out of Danny Amendola? Because I really think that he got a raw deal last last year from a lot of Patriots fans expecting production like Welker when, you know, he had never done it in the past. He was a similar player, similar size, you know, went to the same college, similar route into the NFL, you know, undrafted free agent, cut by a couple teams. Honestly, I mean, do we really, can we really rely on this guy this year? Or is it one of those things where we just sit back and say, whatever we get is gravy? No, we can't rely on him. (laughs) <laughs> and I won't go any further than that, other than saying until he shows he can do it when contact is made, no. Uh, and and I'll rest my case there and throw it to Scott. I think you're right. I think I think he did he did get a, a raw deal coming here last 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 season. Um, the expectations were were too high. Um, I I don't think that he was ever uh, a receiver that was as as good as. Or better than than Wes Welker, um, I think. I think realistically, uh, right now in OTAs he's healthy. Uh, he's he's not not injured, um, and there's no contact. So I think 
I think that that bodes well for him. But uh, I think I think he's going to be uh, a nice complement to Edelman this season, and I I think that's the spot that he's going to he's going to stay. Really, I, I I'm not high on Amendola, but at the same time, it's good to have him on the team. Uh, he's he's not an elite uh, wideout, in my opinion. Again, you're listening to the Patriots beat here on the CLNS Radio Network. Three four seven two one five seven 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 one is the number if you want to call in and talk to us. Of course, Patriots beat today is brought to you by Celtics beat. One of our marquee shows for CLNS Radio, and you heard Nick and Ty talking at the beginning of the show today about trying to keep CLNS a free network. Go to beatsandeats.com slash patronage and bid anything, a, a buck, whatever it takes, you know, 50 cents, we don't care. Hey, if you're rich, throw a thousand bucks in. I like it. But uh, we got some good things coming up here in the Celtics Beat uh, podcast is one of our best shows, and we like to think here at Patriots Beat, we're, you know, running right up next to them. We'll get there soon enough, but... Uh, Let's switch gears a little bit because Bob kind of stole a little bit of my thunder when he sat back and he talked about Darrell Revis. And, and I've wondered this since the Darrell Revis signing because while I think that Darrell Revis is probably one of the best cornerbacks we've seen in the last 10 to 15 years, I've always wondered, is the loss of Akib Tlaib and, and bringing in Darrell Revis that big of a step up? Because... Revis can shut down the best corner, uh, best wide receiver on the other side of the field. We saw Rakeem Tlaib when he was healthy. Again, we always say that with the Patriots, when healthy. They've been a little snake bit in the last couple of years. But when Rakeem Tlaib was healthy, he was able to shut down some of the best names in the game. So here's my question. With Brandon Browner, you know, he's, got, he's missing the first four games of the season next year. Who is going to start opposite Darrell Revis and absolutely become that go-to cornerback? Is it Alfonso Dennard, who has shown some good stuff in the past? He's, he, he had a decent season last year. He, of course, seventh-round draft pick. He had some legal troubles. Of course, he spent some time in, in prison this offseason. Is it a guy like second-year cornerback Logan Ryan? Is he, is he a guy who can really step up? Or, or is it my worst fear and they, and they start Kyle Arrington on the outside? What do you guys think happens across from Darrell Revis? I don't think they'll start Arrington on the outside. I'll start by saying that. Heaven forbid they start him on the outside. However, he does have a role in the secondary. Um, my initial answer would have been Denard. Um, but the fact that he's not practicing... Is that injury lingering? I'm not too sure. So I, I think you may see more out of the, out of our second year cornerback. Uh, make our uh, shoot, Logan. Uh, Logan. Logan Ryan, my friend. There you go. I'm drawn. I was drawing a blank there. Thank you, uh, Logan Ryan, who showed spurts of being very, very good last year. Uh, and it's only the first four games. So the first four games are infinitely winnable. Uh, without Browner, and I think that the rest of the secondary and the defense is stronger, so much stronger, if healthy, and there, there's that big if again, than they have been the last uh, many years. Then, then I think they can cover for that cornerback for four games until Browner comes back. And, and being more aggressive, and I know we'll talk about that a little bit later on, uh, on the type of defense they played, um, will, will, I think, put more pressure on the other team's quarterbacks, not giving them the time to make those 
third and long passes. Excellent. Uh, Scott, what do you think about uh, who starts opposite of uh, Revis? I think it's uh, it's going to be Alfonso Dennard's job job to lose. Really, I think he'll he'll start out the gate beside uh, beside Revis and uh, obviously be evaluated from there. I think I think that it's good that we have both both Logan Ryan and Alfonso Dennard. Um, but as of right now, I think on the depth chart, I would say I would say Dennard for I find I find he's more he's more physical than Ryan. So it's more of a match towards playing that that type of role that Browner's going to fill. And Bob brought up a good point there with the fact that the first four games are are winnable and they're not really going up against any you know huge wide receivers or huge quarterbacks. I mean they start off the season um, you know against the uh, Miami Dolphins and while they do have uh, you know a, a good quarterback, I will say, in Ryan Tannehill. Um, Mike Wallace, of course, with the big free agent signing from the year before, um, you know, he really didn't show everything that he can be. So you, you could put Revis on Wallace and, and not have to worry about it. So then you're, you're looking at uh, a Brian Hartline and, and what they can do against, you know, Hartline and, and their, their tight end there, Clay. Uh, and, and, of course, their running game. Of course, they have no Sean Moreno this year. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle week one against Miami. Of course, we don't know who's going to be starting right now. We, I mean, training camp is still, you know, about seven weeks away. We're not sure what the death chart's going to look like, but I could see Alfonso Dennard coming out there. Of course, week two, they go up against, uh, you know, it's either going to be Matt Castle or Teddy Bridgewater. And while they do have some exciting wide receivers in Cordelli Patterson and, uh, and, and of course, Greg Jennings, the former uh Green Bay Packer, the question becomes, is Matt Castle or Teddy Bridgewater at the time going to be able to really attack the Patriots' defense, or is it going to be the Adrian Peterson show? And, of course, then you have the Oakland Raiders, and, and what's going to happen with the Oakland Raiders? I mean, is it going to be Derek Carr that's, that steps up and, and plays, or is it going to be Matt Schaub? I'm not really scared of what the Oakland Raiders have to do. So Bob is right about the first four games being uh, very winnable, and I, I did miss in there the uh, you know the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, which uh, are the fourth game of the season, and I think that's the biggest test right there, which is which is Dwayne Bowe, who is a, a, a good wide receiver, and, and of course Alex Smith, who um, you know, it's a system quarterback, so they really don't have that big armed gun guy. But I'm excited to see what happens. And Bob brought up the point of the entire defense working together, um, like they haven't in the past. The fact that they can they can play a little more man up coverage and disguise some blitzes and send Gerard Mayo off of a corner, or or even the the, uh, the new linebacker and Anderson coming over from uh, from Chicago. I mean they. Uh, so Mike Reese, of course, we always talk about Mike Reese in, on the show because both Bob and I respect him very much. But he he did some uh, some film study him and Field Yates on on uh, on Anderson, and they showed him that he was able to blitz, and he's a coverage linebacker as well. So that's exciting. And then the second year jump for Jamie Collins. I want to know what you guys think about the linebacker depth with it. What they've brought in. Do you think the four guys now in 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 um, Anderson? Collins, Hightower, and Mayo, and then a second-year player in Buharmis, and then the other guys they brought in, a Fleming, uh, Darius Fleming from the uh, 49ers, and, and then White, uh, of course, the second-year player. Is that enough for you guys to feel comfortable? Scott, we'll go with you first. Yeah, I, I really like uh, 
what we're doing. I, I actually consider Collins more of uh, in, in addition this year because he, he had such little time on the field last year. Uh, he was surprising in the in the in the, in the postseason against against uh, the Colts. Um, I I like the fact that him and Anderson can pair up together uh, in in the nickel. I like uh, I I definitely like the fact that Mayo is going to be back. Um, you know, it's a uh, it's it's a good it's a good group. Uh, I think I think Bill Belichick saw that there was there was more of a need for pass coverage, and I think he's he's starting to put that plan together now to take care of that. And of course, with the NFL becoming more of a a, a pass happy league, um, we're the defense is just starting to transform to uh, to take care of that. I really like the Anderson signing, and I know you did too, Scott, based on what you wrote and, and looking at what he brings. So this was a position that I was really concerned about prior to the signing of Anderson because although the top three I was very comfortable with, there was no depth, no proven depth behind them. And I think Anderson brings that to the table, and I think you hit the nail on the head, Scott, between him uh, and the ability to now cover some tight ends, which was always a, a real weak point for the Patriots. Uh, Hightower just couldn't cover a tight end coming out of the backfield if his life depended on it, and they were counting on him for that. So the development of Collins and Anderson uh, gives them that flexibility, uh, and I think you're going to see more of those sub-packages from the Patriots this year that, that allow that, that really athletic linebacker uh, to do some things that we haven't seen out of the linebacker core in a while. So I, I think he may be enough with the young players. He's backup, he's depth, but he's solid depth, and we didn't have that before. And what do you guys feel about the pass rush now coming out here? Now, they've signed Will Smith, of course. Again, another ACL injury coming back. And, Bob, you know I'm not as scared, as scared of the ACL injuries as other people are out there. But here we have uh, Will Smith. We have Rob Nikovich, uh Of course, Chandler Jones, who had a, a very big season last year with 11 and a half sacks. You know, easily coming back. Chris Jones uh, did very well as a defensive tackle last year. Um and, and then, of course, Vince Wilfork and Tommy Kelly. They've even brought, uh, you know, Williams, Kyle Williams from Minnesota in for a look-see. The defensive line, do you think it's going to be able to cause enough pressure? Because I think that was the one thing we saw last year in the in the championship loss to Denver. Is they just could not collapse that pocket around Peyton Manning. Uh, they did a lot of chipping with both Chandler Jones and Rob Nikovich. A lot of chipping there to to try to slow down that, that pass-happy ha- offense against the, the the tight ends. And you brought it up there, uh, Bob, where you know they were able to – now they have linebackers that can cover the tight ends, so maybe they can just pin their ear back and, and, and get after Peyton Manning, a la what the Seattle Seahawks were able to do in the uh, Super Bowl. What are you guys' thoughts there? Well, I first of all, I think the whole defense, and I'm going to go back to the, the statement I made earlier in the show, the combination – of who they have on defense is going to make this a much more aggressive defense. And I think they will pin their ears back more uh, than they have in past years. You asked earlier in the show, um, and you questioned in your mind, whether the, the step up 
from Tlaib to Revis is that biggest step. It may not be a huge step. I think you're right there, Jeff. But he's playing the whole season. His history is that he's going to play hurt, healthy. Um, he's a guy that you know is going to be in there, if not for 16 games, for at least uh, 13, 14. Uh, and that changes what what the the, the line can do. I think, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kelly didn't make the team. And I, I'm throwing that one out now early before uh, you can make mentions of players who will or won't make the team. But I think uh, with Will Fork, uh, if he is half the Will Fork he was in his prime, that this team is going to put pressure on quarterbacks again, like we haven't seen in years. And easily, I know you're high on him. Um, I'm high on him. The, the the issue is always that injury issue. But uh, you know, heaven forbid that that none of the the players we're saying we're going to count on have injuries that will keep them out for any length of time. I think this defense, I'm excited about this defense, if you can't tell by the way I'm talking. I think this could be a top-five defense in the NFL in almost every category. I, uh, I, I definitely agree with you, uh, Bob, about, uh, about Kelly. He, uh, I was excited to see him last year, but um, I'm nervous, though, about, about the defensive line. Just for the fact that uh, they're bringing in Kevin Kevin Williams, I it makes me worry because, of course, you have Kelly Will Fork and now Easley as well, uh, all coming back from from missing significant time last year, right? Uh, it's 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 concerning to me because I I don't want to start. Well, I certainly hope the Patriots don't want to start the year off banged up uh, at that position. Um, as far as for for defensive end, I I, I really like the group there. I, as long as Will Smith is healthy, I think I think he's an excellent complement to uh, Ninkovich and and Jones. Um, this this defense on on paper is by far by far more exciting than the previous, I'd say, five years. Um, the, the fact that they're going to have a secondary that should be able to cover, um, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun to watch. I can't agree more with both of you guys. I think that this season the Patriots might actually be able to get a little more aggressive on defense. I mean, we've seen them become a, you know, they've been a bend but don't break defense for a very long amount of time, almost Belichick's entire uh, tenure here with the, the New England Patriots. Uh, the 2003 season, they were more of a, more, they could attack with, with guys like Richard Seymour and, and, and Mike Vrabel and Willie McGinnis. And, and they made the big stops. I mean, who can forget, uh, I believe it was the 2003 season against the Indianapolis Colts. It was uh, that they stopped the Colts on four straight plays down at the two-yard line. How long has it been since we've actually sat back and said, "Wow, we can rely on this New England Patriots defense to make a stop at the very very end of the end of the game." You know, make a stop so that the offense doesn't have to win the game. And and, and this has been something that I've gone with a fine line over the last few years, where the Patriots, after the 2006 uh, AFC Championship loss to the Indianapolis Colts. They kind of stepped away from being that 
defensive first, offense, offensive balance team, and, and went and they went out and they got the Randy Mosses and they got the Dante Stallworths and, and and they put it all on Tom Brady's arm. And, and cycling back to our, our beginning conversation about Tom Brady being an elite quarterback or not, I don't think that he really needs to be with the fact that now they can get back to where their roots, what they were able to do with this team in the early part of Bill Belichick's tenure here, before they had so many swing and misses on on, on players that they drafted on the defensive side of the ball, to Ty, uh, Tyrone Wheatley's, the Brandon uh, Merriweather's, you know, the Patrick Chung, even though Chung is back, these players that they just missed on, the, the Sean Crable, the linebacker from, from Michigan, you know, uh, they finally seem to be doing some, some good things in the defensive players that they're bringing in. in you know, we, we've seen Chandler Jones uh, become a household name now. We've seen Dante Hightower, even though he got, uh, you know, beat up a lot by fans and, and media alike last year, he started to really come into his own over the last uh, half of last season. And, and, and Jamie Collins, I mean, wh- of course, we all were very excited about what he did in uh, the Indianapolis game. He got beat up a little bit the following week against Denver, but there weren't too many linebackers that could really push it to Denver. So I'm as excited about Bob, and I think as, as Scott is, about how this defense can not only help, but help improve the offense as well. Because if it's not all thrown on Tom Brady to win the game, to score 35 points, then you know what? They can, they can win games the way they used to win games, by dominating on both sides of the line of scrimmage, the offensive line and the defensive line, getting timely uh, three and outs, holding that edge of possession, being able to run the ball uh, effectively, being able to use the short passing game and not have to worry about, you know, oh, we need, we need a Randy Moss to take the cover off the defense. Well, I ask you, I ask you both this, and I know the game has changed to become more of a, a pass-happy league, but let me ask you, who was the last really great wide receiver and uh, quarterback combination to win a, a Super Bowl without a good defense and a balanced running game? Was that a rhetorical question? Oh, yeah, yeah. You just, I want to know. <laughs> I really want to know. Well, I mean, the combination. and To win a Super Bowl, it takes so many different things. I don't think any one position wins or loses. Quarterback, I think, is probably the most important. But if you go in there without a defense, your likelihood of, of winning narrows considerably. Um, and you're asking me who was the last combination. I'm trying to think. I don't know. It goes back a long way. And I, right off the top of my head, am not coming up with anyone. I mean, I'm going back to Lynn Swan and, and back to that era. So I, I know there's someone in between there. Maybe Scott can think of uh, a combination that has done it more. Uh, uh, Scott, do you have anyone in mind? No. <laughs> to be to be honest, you got me stumped on that one, Jeff. That's, uh, that's uh, I good. I'll go back to I mean, if you really want to talk about a a great cornerback with a uh, quarterback with a great wide receiver, I'm going to go back probably to Indianapolis in that 2006 season. But even they needed. I mean, Manning didn't have a phenomenal game that year. You know, they, he didn't. He did not have a phenomenal game in the Super Bowl. They won it on. Uh, the running game of of uh, Dominic Rhodes and Joseph Adai, and Manning made enough plays. So 
as we saw last year, I mean, Russell Wilson isn't a, uh, you know, a household name. And there have, don't get me wrong, there have been some great quarterbacks that have won the Super Bowl in the last couple of years. I mean, uh, Drew Brees comes to mind. Aaron Rodgers. I mean, these are guys that are considered elite quarterbacks. Manning, of course, has won uh, one. And, but, I mean, if you look at it, it is, seems to be the last few years, uh, and definitely since probably, I would say, Pittsburgh beat uh, – Pittsburgh beat uh, Seattle in the uh, in the Super Bowl back after the 2005 season. That it has been the better all around team that has won every year. It's no longer you know uh, the run and shoot run and gun guys like like the San Francisco 49ers. You know where where they had a Jerry Rice and a Steve Young or a Joe Montana, and that was you know what was happening. But even those teams had good defenses and they're complete teams. So I, I really think harkening back to it, I don't think Brady really needs to be elite, should we say, to win a Super Bowl, but he needs the pieces around him. I believe the, the Patriots, and, and call me the ultimate homer now, but I believe that they have uh, you know, rebuilt this, this team, both offensively and defensively, more towards what they, they used to do and not what they have tried to become. Not, not, all right, we have Tom Brady, we have this elite quarterback, let's turn around and just cement him in the Hall of Fame by putting up these huge numbers. And then you know what? What lacks is is the lacking of of defense, the lacking of a a reliable running back. And I know I you're gonna laugh at me, Bob, because I always talk about running backs and this and that and the other thing. But really, I mean, since Corey Dillon was in the New England, they haven't had a guy that they can really rely on. I mean, I liked Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. I thought he was a good running back, but he wasn't great. Lawrence Maroney was a a bust upon bust. And if you look at the guys that have been winning the Super Bowl, they have a running, not only just running one running back, but a few running backs that can do different things. And that, you know what, it, it does excite me. I said it last week. I talked about James White and, and Shane Vereen in the backfield together. And what happens? I think, I think Josh McDaniels listens to this show and he realizes because I bash him all the time that maybe you ought to think, take what I use in my mind and go, hey, that's going to work there. What do you guys think about, uh, about all of it as a whole now, this whole team pulling together? Well, first of all, you and I are on the same page, and I know Scott basically was saying the same thing. It's a team effort, and I don't think there's any one position. The the thing that I like about this year's team is they do have that diversity. I think they've got a lot of diversity, both on offense and on defense, and I think that you know this this year's team. And again, I'm going to you know toot the horn here has potential. Potential's only a word, and sometimes no one lives up to it. But I, I, I think that rounded team that you talked about, Jeff, is, is real important. I think it's important in the Super Bowl. I think that, you know, after the Super Bowl is over, everybody looks at the team that wins it and tries to create a team similar to that team, as many have done with Seattle uh, from last year, and looked at them and said, whoa, their secondary is, is such a hard-hitting physical secondary. Well, the Patriots had a secondary like that. We're going back a few years, and I wrote about it a little bit in an article a while ago talking about uh, Ty Law going into the Hall of Fame, but they had one of the more physical secondaries in, in football for a few years, and unfortunately they changed the rules of the game so you couldn't be as physical, and it almost looked last year. And, Jeff, did you notice, like they were allowing the Seattle players to be physical, and they weren't getting penalized every time they touched a wide receiver. Did you notice that during the Super Bowl, or was I imagining things? No, they definitely got it. 
uh, got away with a little more than than it had been happening in the past. And uh, of course, the famous uh, Bill Polian basically sitting there and, and and complaining about the fact that the Patriots had mauled the Indianapolis Colts wide receivers. And and I think that's where you saw that uh, Bill Belichick and and uh, the rest of the New England Patriots staff turn around and say, okay. Uh, we got to go offense now because our defensive philosophy of of beating people up isn't working anymore. It's not going to be allowed anymore. So maybe that's why they they switched up there. Well, and it wasn't just that indie game. Although you're right, he was the one that started the complaints. But if you remember, St. Louis came into that Super Bowl as an offensive juggernaut. There was no way anyone was going to stop them from scoring. 30, 40 points, I forget how many point underdog the Patriots were, but it was really high. And the defense played that aggressive defense we've been talking about. And actually, you know, the, the St. Louis wasn't real happy after the game and was complaining just as Poland did. So I think the combination of both really kind of changed the physicality of the, the, the cornerbacks. And I'm glad to see it going back. I'd hate to be a cornerback in the NFL right now uh, because you just don't know what to do. If you hit them high, you get penalized. If you hit them in the knees, you get penalized. Well, there's not a whole bunch of area left to, for a cornerback to try and bring a guy down who's making moves to avoid him and not get him somewhere that now the NFL is saying, whoa, you can't do that. I'd hate to be trying to tackle a guy in the open right now in the NFL. What are your thoughts there, Scott? Uh, just to, to touch on what uh, what you were talking about as far as uh, the, the stats and the, and the numbers that that uh, that Brady has has put up, um, I think I think stats and records are great, but I think I think Lombardi trophies are better. I think I I think that the way the way to win is to have a good balance on both. Uh, offense and and defense, but it's it's been quite lopsided for too long for for the Patriots, and they they shied away from what what made them so successful uh, before. Um, I think I think they're turning the corner now. I think I think they're going to be uh, they're going to be playing playing the way the way they did when when they when they won Lombardi trophies and i think that uh one one thing i'm glad that is is gone is all all the talk of uh the patriots needing that long ball um i don't i don't see i don't see the need for the the long ball to be thrown by brady i think i think that you Seeing running backs come come out the backfield, uh, they, they have a great job running just slants and just uh, screen plays. I think I'm just I'm I'm excited to to see what what this team brings this year. I think it's going to be totally different, really, uh, on on defense and offense. I think it's going to be more more of a focus to getting getting back to what what made the Patriots successful. Well, in my humble opinion, and I'm going to jump in because I know Jeff is, and Jeff, I'll throw it back to you in a minute. The Patriots should have won two more Super Bowls. Their defense lost to both of those games against the Giants. Ah, bullshit. Should have won. 
I mean, if, when you get the lead late in the game, and in both those games the Patriots took the lead, and your defense cannot stop the other team. This I'm so tired of watching a Patriots defense that you know is going to give up a drive late in the ball game uh, that'll either cost them the win or bring the other team into a tie, and Brady will have to pull his miracles uh, to to bring out a win. And I, you know, I lay that on the defense. I don't lay that on the offense. I think the defense this year is going to have the capability to do some of those things. And Jeff, I knew you were going to react that way, so now I'm going to throw it to you. <laughs> I will give you. I'll give you Super Bowl Forty Two, kind of. Um, because it, it basically the Patriots took a lead with a little over two minutes left to go, and the defense did give up. Uh, you know, of course the, the the miraculous catch on the helmet, and then uh, you know Plaxico Bor scoring over um, uh, Ellis Hobbs to to basically ice the game there. Super Bowl Forty Six. I blame the offense for that. I really do. Um, I, I I put the blame on Brady for taking a uh, you know. Um, the safety to begin the thing. I take. I put the blame on uh, Aaron Hernandez. I put the blame on Wes Welker and and Dion Branch, all having crucial drops. Of course, the biggest drop was the uh, uh, the play that could have probably sealed it. Uh, had the pass been a little better and had Welker been able to catch that ball, that game seals it. I, I put the blame on both of them, uh, both the offense and the defense in in both games. But I mean, you're talking about an offense that. Uh, that scored over 35 points per game in 2007 can only score 14. And it's because they, they didn't change what they were trying to do. They said, all right, we're just going to throw the ball all over the field. And the Giants knew exactly what they were going to do. They, they, they did not run the ball, the New England Patriots, at all. You could just, they could just put in that light uh, NASCAR package and, and blitz Brady instead of handing the ball off. That's what they did. But, you know, that's for another day, especially this, you know, me talking about the running game. I always talk about the running game. One of the things that I want to bring up here on uh, on CLNS Radio is is Scott, of course, has been working with us now for a little over a month, month or two here. and He's been doing a phenomenal job. And uh, one of the things that he has come up with is his uh, weekly Twitter bag. It's a great, uh, a great column that he writes. He takes, uh, you know, people's uh, comments on Twitter. Uh, he puts them into a, a great article and, and posts them out there for everyone to see. So that's one of the things that we're also going to bring in here a little bit with Scott on Patriots Beat is bringing his Twitter bag. So, Scott, I'd like to see you uh, give us a couple of the questions, and uh, let's let's you know say we got about ten minutes here, so let's bring it into two or three questions from from fans of of yours and and fans of CLNS and of course Patriots beat of of uh, questions that are out there, and, and of course you can follow Scott at, at the Baines one two three, and and Scott with uh, the floor is yours. Why don't you give us a couple questions that the uh, listeners out there are asking for, and and let's try to answer them as best we can. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's uh, it's always it's always one of the articles that, that I look forward to uh, through through the week. Um, I want to thank everybody for sending sending questions. Uh, please keep them coming. Uh, I I really look forward to uh, just just giving some insight uh, in a different perspective, maybe. Um, is as far as questions, uh, I got one here from at true Pat's fan seventy five. 
he he wants to know what what my thoughts are on uh, the tight end situation right now. Way so, to go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for me, right now at the tight end position, um, I, I think I think it speaks volumes for not having signed Finley or Keller yet. I think I think that they both came in for their visit and both had a had a good look. The Patriots saw what those players could bring, and uh, of course, with their injuries in the past, I, I don't think it. It it uh, it garnished enough enough reason to give them a contract. I think uh, everyone was saying that during uh, the Patriots would not sign a tight end until until the start of June, and of course that date has now passed. Um, one name that I do want to throw out there, but I I, I this is more just a I, I don't think it will happen. But uh, Tony Gonzalez is still out there. I uh, I want to know what you guys thought of that. <laughs> well, I would love to have Tony Gonzalez. A tight end is a position I'm still concerned about, but obviously I agree with you completely that the Pats have not addressed it at all, and they must not be as concerned as, as an idiot fan like me is. Uh, but I still am concerned about tight end. I, I'm not sure how they'll address it. They have They have the two... I think it's, I think two tight ends that were the undrafted ones, Jones, Justin Jones, and Asa Watson. I think those are their names. Yeah, yep. And uh, I think I think that they went into OTAs to see what they had. Um, and I I I I'm not confident in DJ Williams. Uh, I think I think he had some opportunities last year. Well, he had plenty last year, but uh, just just couldn't couldn't produce. Well, and Watson, Watson has some serious health issues. I, I would be concerned with him. He's got that heart issue, uh, and I know he's taking medication for it. But I just, you know, I'm hoping beyond hope that that either of the rookie or free agent uh, tight end signings can play. Just their history in college is not that great. Now, right. You know, Jones played in an offense that didn't use the tight end much, so it's a little bit deceptive. He's huge. What, 6'8", if I remember right, um, and supposedly has pretty good hands. But there's no track record of either of them being very effective in college as a, a tight end that you're going to say is going to start in the pros. Oh, yeah, my. and I, I, I don't even think that Jones played last year, did he? No, oh. he didn't. He was yeah. academically ineligible. Yeah. Well, my point on this has always been, and I got an article coming up later on this week, uh, about the use of the tight end in Josh McDaniel's offense versus the use of the tight end in Bill O'Brien's offense. Uh, while the Patriots' offense has stayed terminology the same over the last uh, you know, 15 years, uh, there have been times where they've they've tried to make the tight end uh, a focal point. We remember what uh, you know they drafted. Did, they drafted um, uh, Daniel Graham out of uh, Colorado, and, and then, of course, they turned around and, and, and drafted uh, a guy, um, Watson, uh, yeah, of course, Watson there. Um, so I've, I think that, I don't know, I'm excited about the fact that I think Rob Gronkowski is going to be fine, but I'm also excited about the wide receivers, so I'm not as much looking forward to um, the tight end position as you guys are. 
Well, and, and just to put a quick plug out there, I actually did an article uh, for those that like tight ends and want to read a little history of tight ends in the NFL. Um, I posted an article right after last week's show because we talked about tight ends that talks about Patriot tight ends of the past in the, the Hall of Fame, uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame, and there's actually only eight tight ends in there. And, and the fact that no Patriot tight end is in that Hall of Fame and the only one that really stood up to any criteria to be in there was Ben Coates. Uh, Russ Francis, I think, was by far, when I asked the question of fans on Twitter, who they prefer, and Francis was the name that I got back repeatedly, a few votes for Coates. But the, the, you're right, Jeff, in that if you look through the history of the Patriots, the tight end, uh, although they've had some good ones, Coates was was really the only one they relied completely on. During Francis's era, they had a great running team, and and I know that makes Jeff real happy. That, that I've discussed that. But, uh, you know, the tight end has evolved, as we've talked in the past. It sure has evolved over the, over the time. Uh, well, you got another question for us there, uh, Scott. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah this, one's, uh, this one's pretty interesting. It's uh, at Trevor Asher 11. Uh, he wants to know who will start more games in uh, 2014, Gronkowski or Amendola? That's an interesting question right there. Um, I mean, let, let's face it. Gronkowski has has kind of been hit by a lot of fans sitting there, and, and he's been a lightning rod about, you know, the fact that he's a party animal and that, you know, he uh, missed the first six games of last season and, and of course, the, uh, the injury before the Super Bowl. Uh, the one thing I will sit here, I'm actually going to say, and this is a tough one for me, but I'm actually going to say that, Rob Gronkowski starts more games than Amendola this year. He might not play more, but he's going to start more. Um, I actually think that uh, Danny Amendola is going to show a lot of people this year. And I have nothing to, but just a, a belief that he, he's going to show people how great he can be. And, and he's going to become a very big-time player in this Patriots offense. And, of course, I don't think there's going to be a wide receiver that catches over 100 balls for the Patriots this year. But, so, all right, Gronkowski starts more, but uh, Amendola plays more. That's a nice, easy cop-out. And I agree with you. I think Gronk- the key word here is starts more. Um, I'm hoping beyond hope that Gronkowski starts more for the very reasons we talked about a few moments ago when talking about tight ends. Uh, but the wide receivers, I think there are just so many options out there Edelman did step forward, as you mentioned earlier, Scott, so I don't know as far as starting games how many Amendola will start in. And if healthy, I think Gronk starts every game if he's healthy. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to drink the same Kool-Aid as you guys here. Uh, I, think, I think Gronkowski will, will start more if, if healthy. Um, and, of course, I'm, I'm hoping that he's healthy as well. All right, we have about a minute left before the uh, the outro music goes on. Any final thoughts from either one of you? Um, I I just want to I want to thank you guys for having me on. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to the season. And uh, just once again to everybody out there, just keep uh, keep the questions coming, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to use 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 one you send me. Scott, it's always great to have you on. We appreciate your coming and joining us. I, my one final thought is don't put too much into the OTAs. You've talked about that, Jeff, many times yourself. These, this is non-contact. Everybody looks good in OTAs. Uh, well, not everybody, 
but but most players are pretty good when no one's hitting them and they can run wide open routes or can do the things they can do. So I, I people get a real excited early. Don't get too excited until contact starts occurring. Well, my final thought is this: the two running back offense is going to take over the NFL. The Patriots are going to use Stephen Ridley. They're going to use Shane Vereen. They're going to use James White. It's going to be insane. They're going to use White and Vereen together in the pony backfield. I love it, Josh McDaniels. Just make sure you use it in the postseason. Make sure you use it during the regular season. Well, for Scott Baines and Bob Stoneman, I'm Jeff Kane. This was Patriots Beat. Remember to download any episode from any CLNS podcast, www.itunes.com slash CLNS Radio, and subscribe. Oh, they were great. Until next week, guys. Have a great week, everyone. Your first choice for Internet Sports Talk Radio, CLNS Radio.